This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Yes, it is. It's the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for giving me some time today. I'm going to do an additional podcast tomorrow, Friday morning. I will get together with Sam Michael, my executive producer, and I will punch out a good 15 minutes, I hope, on the Bears schedule, which will be announced tonight. Not just the Bears schedule. But the schedules of everybody in the NFC North and the Bears have a very favorable position this year. Yes, the Washington Commanders are on the docket again. And you got Carolina and some other punching bags. All of the benefits of being 3-14 and 14, in addition to having the number one pick in the draft, which they, of course, traded down for DJ Moore. And then they flip and they flip again and they wind up taking the tackle out of Tennessee. So I'll do the Bears schedule tomorrow, as I promised. Today's podcast is exclusively your questions and comments on social media regarding the podcast and regarding things that are going on in Chicago sports. And I'm glad to say, even without me soliciting questions along these lines, some of my longtime listeners decided to ask questions about things that weren't sports related. So I'll get to some of those right out of the chute to lighten the load a little bit before we get to a heavier topic or two a little bit later on. But I want to thank all of you who asked a question or or offered a comment. I can't get everybody in, but I, I will take some of the more more. Most of the questions early in the week, of course, were about the Hawks winning the draft lottery and having the chance now to draft a franchise changing centerman in 17-year-old Connor Bedard. He'll turn 18 in the summer. I'll I'll talk about that in in a little bit, uh, generally speaking, but there was one specific question regarding the Hawks in that number one pick, and it's not that the fix was in like Chad Feldman and some others have suggested. This is rigged. The NHL has to have one of its charter franchises matter again. Well, that always helps, sure. It does. But, you know, I'm not up for the conspiracy theory conversation, but this is not in regards to that. It's a it's a more personal question about the Blackhawks organization. I think you probably know where I'm going with that. But I want to start you with a few light things, this question. And thank you, especially Facebook friends. No surprise to this veteran observer. More of the questions, almost all of them, came from Facebook where people don't mind interacting and are more docile with one another than they are in the uh, the harsh hot take world of Twitter. So thank you to all of my Facebookers for participating in the assignment. You didn't have to do that. Some of you took time out. You thought of a question and you asked it. And one of those is Chris Verthian. 
I hope I'm uh, pronouncing the name correctly, V-E-R-T-H-E-I-N, I believe. So he lists three albums. He says Soft Parade, Morrison Hotel, L.A. Woman. Which is the best? Which is the most underplayed track on the albums, he asked. Actually, if you know rock and roll from the best era of rock and roll, you know those are all albums by the American artists known as The Doors. The Doors are my favorite American rock band. Somebody asked that. Also on Facebook, favorite American band is The Doors. Favorite American artist, Alice Cooper. But I would choose The Doors' debut album over everything else the boys did in their short six and a half years together. L.A. Woman, the most popular, it contained Riders on the Storm in the title track, of course, and uh, Texas Radio and the Big Beat, which got marginal airplay. It was it was commercially successful. It was not my favorite by a long shot. I love the first album for a personal reason. Light My Fire was the song that called me to rock and roll. I write about this in my book, which will be in your hands if you want it to be by the fall. When I was maybe in fourth or fifth grade and it was in the winter and I was falling asleep on the couch at my parents' house on O'Day Drive in Highland and my mom had the old Magnavox box combination console stereo with the you know it would hold seven lps and it had an am and fm radio in it and uh, it probably weighed a hundred pounds she had an fm station on as she was preparing dinner and it was dark and i woke up from a nap kind of foggy and the sun was down already it's probably 10 to 5 on a weekday afternoon and i was called I was called by the rock and roll gods. This is no shit. This really happened. I, I I felt during the hypnotic instrumental keyboard solo from Chicago's very own Ray Manzarek, St. Rita High School, I was called to rock and roll. It was like those 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 riffs that that haunting keyboard solo is so so hypnotizing and it just it it just like leaped inside me and called me to rock and roll and that album also it starts with break on through that's not a bad start to a music career album one track one break on through and it also had the alabama song uh show me the way to the next whiskey bar uh the end is on the debut album back doorman soul kitchen let me sleep all night in your soul kitchen yeah give me the doors debut album over everything else they did although i have to have morrison hotel nearby as well back in the cd or lp era i had to have morrison hotel nearby just because of peace frog god i love that track okay there was a fishing question. I want to take care of some toy department stuff first. And one more music question. I'll try to squeeze in from Eric Bramowitz a little bit later on. But Tommy Caesar says he has been fishing Coons Lake near Walkerton, Indiana, since the mid-80s. And he wants to know if I have observed a difference in the fishing quality since they added what he termed the bubblers, since the bubblers were installed. Yes, there are three or four fountains in oxygenation systems is what they were. And I learned from a friend, Bob Helmer, who has property on Coons Lake on the far east end, which is my favorite part of of Coons Lake for a handful of reasons. Love to have that west-facing backyard. That's the way to do it. 
it's it's a problem they've had with oxygenation in the lake for several years now. Fish below 15 feet from the surface are not getting oxygen. So that's part of the problem. I will be able to give Tommy and anybody interested a better answer in a couple weeks because I do plan to fish Coons Lake for the first time in a couple of years very, very soon. My autistic son, Patrick, finally has expressed an interest in going fishing. I spent so much time with his big brother, Van, chasing muskies. He wants to find out what this is all about. So we're going to get a the minnow bucket out of storage and put three dozen minnows in it and go out to Coons Lake and, and jig some minnows and throw some small plastics. And I will have a better answer for Tommy. It was fun for me to see Tommy go back and forth with my golf buddy, Jim Fitzpatrick, who is a Coons Lake newbie talking about how many smallmouth he caught in the channel near the roundhouse. <laughs> he and his wife purchased recently. That's funny. There's no smallmouth in there. He was politely corrected by a, a Facebooker and uh, he knows the difference between a birdie and an eagle, a small mouth and a large mouth. Not so much. Uh, Mark Bugowski asked me, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll get to Mark a little bit later on. That's another music question. Let's jump into the old sports. It was Justin Lynch. I was trying to go to Justin Lynch uh, wants me to channel my inner Wayne Larravee, as he expresses, who was on my, and thank you for, for listening to my terrestrial show on WJOB and Hammond, Justin. I assume that's where he heard this. That's where Wayne said it. The veteran voice of the Packers, former Bears announcer until the late 90s, just barbecued FedEx Field with us. It was either earlier this year or during the 21 season on my show on J.O.B. where he and he didn't take it from a fan's perspective, which was disappointing. He looked at it only from his selfish perspective that the press box is way too high at FedEx field. And it's just not a good, there are a lot of things wrong with FedEx field. It's proximity to the fan base is the biggest problem. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And it is probably the worst stadium deal in the NFL right now. Soldier field is in the team photo, but I think FedEx is where, and Justin asked, what are your favorite stadiums? What are some of the worst? College football, I'll start you with Ohio State. Michigan gets all the love, the big house. Yeah, I'm glad I've seen a few games in there, but I don't think it's anything special. It's just a gigantic bowl dug into the earth, and 105,000, 110,000 people can get inside. They've made Ohio Stadium, the Buckeyes Stadium, bigger each and every year. And I, it's been what, about nine or ten years since I've been there. And my first trip was 0-4 when Kyle Orton was the uh, Purdue quarterback. I saw Purdue play there, and I saw the Buckeyes beat the shit out of Penn State a few years ago. That was an RV trip with my Highland Mugs and I. And I, I love Buckeye Stadium. I'll tell you why. The tailgate atmosphere is awesome. And people don't often describe why a stadium is good or bad. The tailgating starts very early in the morning. It's really easily accessible right outside the stadium, and it's easy walking distance to St. John's Arena where the Buckeye women used to play basketball, originally the men's basketball stadium. They've upgraded facilities several times over the years, and now St. John's Arena is used on Saturdays for the famous skull session where 12,000 people or 10,000 people, however many they can get in St. John's, pack the building to the rafters to watch the football team walk through in its game day. They're all dressed in suits and they all wear are wearing ties and the head coach 
time I saw it, it was Jim Tressel in 04. Uh, makes a quick announcement. You know, he grabs the microphone. The band is inside. They're playing. The players couldn't care less. They've got the game on their mind. They've got their headphones on. The head coach makes a gratuitous comment about how nice it is to have that kind of support. Thank you for coming out. We're going to give it to Penn State today, or we're going to give it to Purdue today. And it's it was okay. The dotting of the eye, uninspirational for me, but just the building is cool, and you could feel the history in it when you see the 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 jersey numbers that have been retired or the names and years of Buckeye Heisman Trophy winners, Eddie George, 1995. Hopalong Cassidy, I believe his name was, uh, a running back. Uh, Jay Horowitz, I think. It was a Jay Horowitz or Leo Horowitz. Or, there was a Horowitz there many years ago, and I'm messing that up, but I didn't plan to go down that road. But I strongly encourage you to try to see a game at the Horseshoe. Underrated Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. I also think Spartan Stadium is an underrated facility nationally. Alabama rocks. I've only seen one game there. It was uh, Alabama LSU, the year they rematched in the national title game, and the, the quad area at Bama for tailgating is just crazy cool it is a blast and outsiders are welcomed it's fun at the nfl level lambeau field is is the crown jewel and i i think for a handful of reasons there aren't bad seats there it's a great atmosphere outside the ballpark you can feel the history. You could so more before they did the renovation 22, 23 years ago. It was a little bit more historic when you saw the green sheet metal that was just ugly as sin. But uh, it was uh, it was cool. I, I like it. And Tampa. Tampa has an awesome, awesome stadium. Parking is a big part of the reason why. The pirate ship in, uh, in the end zone, I believe the, the north end zone, is very, very cool there. Worst NFL stadium, Soldier Field. Come on. Best when the Rolling Stones are inside. All right, there's debate about the Blackhawks in this number one pick. When they win the draft lottery, everybody starts wondering, how good is Connor Bedard, the 17-year-old from the Regina Rats, going to be? Is he, at 17, such a can't miss that there's no way you consider trading down? And there's some debate among my, my Facebookers, Dan Heath, Mike Zorn, Dave Haridas, Tim Vanzo, Michael Sachaki, everybody's going back and forth on whether you trade him, whether you keep him. And, you know, you're, they're going to take, they're going to keep him. I strongly suspect they will keep that first pick. They'd be nuts not to take Bedard. He had 143 points last year. That's pretty good. I think only in 57 games. Um, Brian William, however, asks a more serious question about the Blackhawks right now. And he he wanted to know how I would feel as a parent if my young son were drafted by an organization. And these are, are Brian Williams' words that has um, been, has a deplorable record. He calls it a deplorable record of player safety, including sexual assault. Would you, would you not... Let your kid play. If you have a voice in the issue, he's going to be, you know, capable of doing what he wants in a few weeks, uh, a couple months anyway, when he turns 18. But would you try to dissuade the organization for for from drafting him because he's not going to play there? 
Look, I, uh, I'm incredibly sensitive to the Kyle Beach situation. The people who made the decisions to cover up the Kyle Beach scandal are gone. All of them are gone. And I'm, it's going to stain the organization for a long time. The, The turning of the cheek and not, not being very humane 13 years ago. But to me, all roads regarding Hawks news today, all roads do not point to Kyle Beach and the sexual assault scandal. They don't have to. That is a different situation than Connor Bedard. As I said, everybody's gone from that. Mailman John is bringing in my new Bass Pro Shops guide the other day, along with a bill from DirecTV, one of several of the last few bills now that uh, NFL Sunday ticket is not exclusive through DirecTV. And he says, well, have you been listening to the score this morning? And I said, yes, I have. And I said, I have a feeling I know why you're asking. And he says, does Dan Bernstein always have to talk about Kyle Beach every time there's Blackhawks news? And I said, well, Dan always has been very sensitive to that topic. He was on top of the Penn State scandal many years ago. He's very passionate about that. Uh, whether sports radio is the venue for a long, drawn-out conversation and, 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 and investigation in the case of Penn State, I, that's another topic. I appreciate his passion, but I also, I also wasn't interested in revisiting Kyle Beach and whether the Hawks should have been penalized more. They weren't. They have the number one pick. I, I think it's deplorable what happened in the organization. And as far as player safety goes, they're no worse than anyone else, I don't suspect. And if you want player safety to be something you want to wring hands over, look at the Bears. There's a lot more of it right there for you than there is with the Blackhawks. But I think the NHL is behind, was behind anyway, in its concussion awareness. I, I just don't want to take every everything regarding the Indian going forward to Kyle Beach. It doesn't have to be that way. It's not that way for me. So to answer Brian Williams' question, No, I would not have any reservations about my son being drafted by this administrative group from the Blackhawks. No. It's, you know, and my son's going to be a grown man. It's 17, almost 18. Connor Bedard's capable of making his own decisions, and he's going to. I would support those decisions while having, you know, candid conversations about, about things that have happened and things that could happen. Raymond Kowal asked this question. Are the Detroit Lions the best team in the NFC North this year? Uh, In a word, no. The Lions couldn't stop anybody last year. Now, maybe they will be better. Maybe Jack Thompson will be the savior, the 18th pick in round one. I I think the Lions, could they win the division? Yeah, they could, but I'm not going to tell you today they're the best team in the North. I would say today the Minnesota Vikings are, and they just got better at wide receiver. They got help for Justin Jefferson and with their first round draft choice. So I, I don't, 
I'm not ready to say that about Dan Campbell's team. They got a lot to show us. And that that running back they took, number 12 pick out of Alabama, he is going to be a something. So that that's going to be something to watch, too. And they're going to need more than Jared Goff this year. Jared Goff had a tremendous renaissance last season. But is it going to continue to? I don't suspect it it will be. So, no. And thank you, Raymond. Not ready to call the Lions the uh, the best in the division. Mark Bogowski asked, and this is one I pushed back a little bit ago, for my bucket list of people or bands I still want to see live, I, I don't have any left. If, if Mark Knopfler and Dire Straits still were together, I suppose I could put them on the list. They are not. Couple that with the idea that, you know, Mark's in his 70s now. And he's not the most gregarious performer. He's not a very animated guy on stage. As much as I love the first four or five albums from Dire Straits, Mark just isn't much of a showman. I, I recently watched a, a 2019 concert he did with a lot of Brothers in Arms music on it, which is among my favorite Dire Straits albums. I would have to say their debut album, like The Doors, is my favorite, but that uh, they would be there, you know, if I can get in the time machine and go back in time. Yeah. I would have loved to seen the doors with Morrison fronted them. And when Morrison was fronting them, I would have loved to seen Brian Jones play guitar for the Rolling Stones, but I was freaking eight or nine when he died. So those things weren't doable things that I could have seen that I missed the who before the deaths of Keith moon and John Entwistle. Mooney in 78, very short window for me. I started going to shows in 77. Never saw John Bonham play with Led Zeppelin. I had tickets to see their stadium show in 77. And the Highland American All-Stars needed me to jack three dongs in two nights to put us into the Elite to Eight tournament. So I was unavailable for Led Zeppelin because I was sending balls deep into the Canefield night. I invented launch angle, in case you didn't know that, in 1977 in Highland. So uh, uh, nothing currently going that I need to see. I'd rather see tribute bands if they can stand up for an hour and a half and perform than actually go see uh, live shows at this point. Nothing left for me to see. I'd go see Sheryl Crow again. I'd love to take my wife to see Sheryl Crow. Sherry would like that. Uh, Frankie C wants to know what Jack's favorite song is to drum. Jack is my youngest of three boys. He is my drummer son. And his favorite song is, no surprise, Moby Dick, the uh, Led Zeppelin drum solo by John Henry Bonham. Uh, John Kelly says he loves to fade my picks. Man, was I wrong about the Maple Leafs. What did you see in the Toronto Maple Leafs? Look, I didn't say I was picking them, John, but... You're smart to fade my picks. I said I was rooting for them just because the other teams I I very casually rooted for. The Bruins, just because I thought it was a a just reward, and they lost in seven in round one for winning 65 games in the regular season and the President's Trophy. Those were record-setting performances by Boston, points and victories in a season, and I thought – they deserved more out of that. Too many, too many presidents' trophy winners go down in round one, and it's unfortunate for their fan base. I'm not going to cry for Boston fans, but I would have liked to have seen them cash in on that. Uh, hell, they haven't had a title in what two years in Boston. Um, 
man, that's just terrible. And they get them in all sports in this century too, don't they? They win championships in the bean. Okay, where else do I want to go here? Uh, John Van wanted to know what was the best weed I ever smoked. Man, I don't know. I, I might answer that question by by just I, I'm not a vape guy. Everybody in the world is into this vaping and dabbing and this and that and oils. And I, I'm just, I'm a '70s kid, man. Give me an album cover and and a pack of 1.25s, and I'm good. I I'm not into that sort of thing. But when we were when we did Scorehouse, the second one in 2020 right as the pandemic was breaking loose danny parkins had a pen and he said i know you're dismissive of vaping but try this one and 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 take a good take an ample hit on this thing you know know that this thing is coming to get you and uh oh my goodness uh just just one or two blasts off that thing and I coughed harder than i had in ages and connor mcknight who's now at espn 1000 is not a pothead he he doesn't smoke and he proved it because he took a pull as well and then passed out shortly after i was standing there taught t- regaling him with stories on my homewood flossmore hockey league uh, 40 35 and over hockey league and i thought he was doing a bit that he fell down and was because he was so bored by my my story, how I learned the defensive assignments, the defensive responsibilities of a right wing. I thought he was just playing with me that he was falling asleep. He actually passed out while standing up and fell down. So that that might be my answer. Uh, other than that, I don't know. You know, five, six years ago, somebody says, how do you like your weed? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't really dig this. It's not for me. I'm not saying it's uncool. I'm not saying... You know, going to dispensaries and studying the different strains and the younger guys are way more in it. But I got buddies my age who are into this, too, uh, at this point. Guys who aren't even avid potheads who now will make the occasional trip to Michigan to uh, to to seek their treasures. I, it's just it's just not for me. I guess I'm a simpleton. Uh, give me something that, uh, you know, has a nice waft and burns nicely and gets the plane in the air and give me a Pabst Blue Ribbon and a bottle next to it. That's all I need. I'm an Indiana hillbilly after all. I think my favorite question of all of these uh, was from Doug White, a.k.a. Doug from Evergreen Park, who was an avid, avid fan of the Mac Yurko and Harry show and was a regular supporter of all of our charity events. Doug's life has been changed tremendously by autism. He had an autistic brother who he lost, and Doug and his dad always supported our autism golf outings, and I got to know Doug a little bit, a real good dude, and he wants to know what I miss most about terrestrial radio, and uh, I I assume he means the everyday grind of it because I still do the two hours a week in northwest Indiana. It's It's a good question, and it's one I think about, regularly because there are days when I do miss it. I I think what I miss the most, however, is the team is putting together something with a bunch of guys who have common feelings, who share feelings on what makes a good product, whether it's, it's guests and the way you go about getting information or opinions or personality out of guests, the use of sound 
uh, the medleys Chris Tannehill used to do for the McNeil and Parkin show, and Tanny still does it now for Parkins and Spiegel, Ben Finfer from the Mac Yurko and Harry era and others. Um, that sort of magic that really brings radio to its fulcrum. It brings it, the good production brings it to its fullest potential. And when you've got guys who, who feel similarly about what sounds good and you have a stretch of good shows, that is a very satisfying feeling that I miss. And it didn't happen often enough, frankly, in the last 10 years. I wasn't at my best these last 10 years. I think when the Hawks returned from Boston with the Stanley Cup secured, my my thought was when we hit, when the plane hit the tarmac, when it hit the runway at O'Hare on our return after game six, 17 seconds, I was pretty convinced I would do the show that day, do the show with Ben Finfer on Friday. Spiegel had the day off and uh, politely resigned and retire because I thought it was time to try something else that the sports radio thing I'd taken about as far as I could. I, I wasn't comfortable in the culture at the radio station at the time. That's all I want to say about it. And my thought was I should just walk away now while I've managed to redeem myself a little bit for tapping out in the winter of 2012 and having to take four weeks off to address behavioral issues. I I thought I owed it to them to try to grind through the contract. And as it turned out, it was the wrong decision because I, I had to step away again in the late fall. And that was embarrassing, and it was it was something that uh, I can't undo right now. But uh, there weren't enough of those moments in these last 10 years. There were good ones with Speegs. There were good ones with Danny. I had some fun with Pete McMurray and Kathy Voltmer. Um, as much as anybody I've worked with in the last 10 years with Kathy when we did the, you know, 17 months together at the morning drive, I miss the team. I miss putting together something with others who share your feelings on what makes a really well-crafted shiny package. And you can be pleased with that. That's, that's what I miss more than anything. It's not the applause. It's not the money. Although some money would be nice. Uh, Jason Lee in almost famous (laughs) as the front man, Jeff Beebe. So uh, yeah, it's not, it's not the money. It's not, Certainly, it's not applause. Ample on that. Full many years ago on that. It's it's the being able to do something with other guys, the team. That's that's what I miss. And uh, Chris Tannehill, Shane Reardon, Parkins, Spiegel, Mitch Rosen, Nick Shepkowski, Adam Dalovit, who is was my executive producer with the Mac Yurkone Harry Show and runs the Bat Rivers Podcast Network. Finn for Scott Bertram uh, at ESPN 1000, going back to the score days early. John Suntress and Judd Surratt with Terry Bores and me. Those are the relationships that matter the most, and we uh, we slayed some dragons together over the years. And uh, I, I miss that. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you for all of your good questions. I didn't get to all of them. Lastly, Mick Taylor era, also my favorite era of the Rolling Stones. 
give me sticky fingers from 1971. Delavit produces all of this with Sam Michael. I'm Delavit doesn't produce it. He's the king. He sits in the big chair. Oh, look at this. I have a chair. King in the castle. King in the castle. I'm going to do a shorty tomorrow to react to the NFL schedule, which comes out tonight. Have a great Thursday or Friday morning if you're going to play pickleball. My name is Dan McNeil. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.